Ladies and gentlemen, to the world's pinball podcast featuring a network of one individual, yours truly, Canada. We're going to talk about some pinball news with regards to Spooky Pinball, Home Pin, Chicago Gaming Company. Uh, but before I do that, you listen to this show and you listen because uh, we are somewhat entertaining, we are somewhat comedic, we give you news, we give you rumors, we give you our unfiltered unbiased opinion about pinball and we've been doing it for a long time on this show Canada's pinball podcast no one helped me get here nobody built my audience for me nobody put me on a stage you know to give me more exposure we did it all with a $19 headset and a desire to share my enthusiasm and passion for the pinball hobby and I want to talk before I get to you know the manufacturers I just want to address the latest news of yesterday because it's unavoidable to have to sort of, you know, see the updates around the entire pinball media. Before I talk about that a little bit and the pinball network has finally listed, you know, who their content providers are going to be, I wanted to just share my thoughts with you, the listener, about this because it does pertain to pinball and I want to give you my 100%, 100% honest assessment of all of this. Because it, for someone like me, who is doing a weekly podcast and you know people are talking about the category and, and the purpose of what we do with pinball podcasts, I want to say, here's my feelings. 100%, this is how I feel. Pinball will expand and pinball can grow and pinball can reach a lot of people if every single pinball podcast went away. We are not the catalyst for the expansion of pinball. And I think a lot of people out there think that they are. They think they're more important and influential and and they play a role in broadening people's interest in pinball. And, And I don't think that is the case. I think what happens with a lot of these individuals who make content is they allow diehards that are really into pinball to have a place to go when they're not on pin side and they, when they're driving to work, when they're mowing the lawn. These people are the pinball fanatics. Nobody, unless you're really obsessed with pinball, is going to listen and watch a lot of pinball content. Hardly, I mean, you have to love it so much that you can't get enough. I mean, think about it. While you're listening to this podcast right now, you could be listening to some of the greatest music in the world, which is much better for your ears than listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast, and yet you choose to because you're somewhat obsessed with pinball. Now, maybe some people tune into this show because they want to wait to see, you know, or hear what I do next, and they want to, you know, what's going to come out of Canada's mouth? And I hear all the time, Canada, people don't laugh with you, they laugh at you. I really don't care. You're tuning in. You never know what I'm going to say next about a manufacturer, a game, a designer, an artist, because I don't have any allegiance to anybody other than you. 
My allegiance will always be to the listener to give it to you exactly how I feel, okay? Now look, now look, there's been a lot of like hemming and hawing and people pulling apart the launch of this network, myself included. It's not exactly how I would have done it. I think they are learning a marketing lesson. Uh, you know, someone actually bought the URL for the pinball network. It wasn't me. It, it was it was probably one of the greatest troll moves ever. They actually listed my SoundCloud page as that, that's where it redirected you when you went to the pinball network. And that's just marketing 101. If you're going to name your entity something, you go get the URL first. And also there's just so much there's so much communicating about what this whole thing is going to be, the reason for it. I wouldn't have done any of that. You know what I would have done? I would have just flipped the switch and turned it on. Just turn it on one day. Have the content out there. Explain yourself uh, with your first show about what it's all going to be about. Now, look, we all know these guys. You know, we've all heard their shows before. We've all heard their personalities before. Joining together isn't going to change someone's personality. It isn't going to change someone's content abilities. It's not. And so when I read, when I read what they're saying about how you know, the purpose of this, if you, if you read really the why, why they're doing it, it's, it's not for monetization, it's not for fame and fortune, it's to create a respectful environment in which we can celebrate the pinball hobby. Okay, I buy that. I, I think you're going to get a lot of that. They also say they want to give a platform in which those content creators who might not have been heard or might not have been heard, you know, a lot, Give them a platform to reach new people. And, I, and I'm just here to say this, and this is why I, this is just coming right from my heart. If you're good, if you're good at creating pinball content and you were good last year, chances are you're going to have a following. So I absolutely fully expect guys like Zach and Ken and guys who, who created quality content, their, their followers will listen to their new shows and they deserve to have those followers because they created content that people enjoyed now i think there are people that they're signing up whose content wasn't good or might not have had a lot of listeners and there's a reason for that it wasn't because people didn't couldn't find them it's because people didn't enjoy it and i think there's a little bit of like a rush on their part to just get as many of these people on board and give them a new platform and, and get everyone celebrating and championing the hobby. Quality versus quantity, right? What's gonna win out? And ultimately, you know, the listeners will decide. The listeners will decide. Now look, it makes no sense for me to be a part of this thing. I'm not, I'm not at all upset about the creation of this thing. I just think the rationale behind it and the reasoning behind it is driven a little bit, a little bit, by the desire to pretend that this will help expand the hobby, that this will help more people get exposure to pinball. And I just think it's, it's a little ridiculous to think that we do that. And I don't think we do that. I don't think anyone stumbles upon you know, a pinball stream or a pinball podcast, I don't. I, I think you're in the hobby, you have a friend who's in the hobby, that's how you get introduced to the hobby. Now, that being said, I think the most important thing, if you want to expand pinball and you want to celebrate pinball and you want more people to get into pinball, you know what I think does that? Good games. 
good games based upon themes people love. If you want to get more people into pinball, make a better product. And when I hear stuff like we're going to create an environment in which we're all respecting and celebrating pinball, how's that going to work? Think about it for a minute. How is that going to work if you want everyone to toe the line of celebrating and respecting pinball? So you're telling me that someone who's got a show on the pinball network can creatively on their show say, I just played Stranger Things and I think it sucks and I think it's unimaginative and I think the quality is garbage and I think Stern should be ashamed of themselves for cutting corners, for not even securing you know, the post that pops up to lock the balls where there's craters after 10 plays. You think someone's going to get up there and say that on the network that's trying to celebrate and be respectful? You know, and that's my whole thing, and that's always been my thing, is I don't have to, I don't owe anything to Brian Eddy, to George Gomez, to Lyman Sheets, to, to Zombie Yeti, to John Borg. I don't owe anything to any of them, and they don't owe anything to me. They're making a product in which we are here to give our opinions about. I, I think about it like the movie industry. If all the movie reviewers got together and said, hey, we're going to make a movie reviewer network in which our goal is to give movie reviewers that not a lot of people know about a platform and we're here to celebrate movies and be respectful of movies, I just wonder, what's the point? There's a reason why Rotten Tomatoes is so popular because it's an aggregator of opinions, both good and bad. And maybe it's going to become that. And maybe we'll see all that when it happens. Just turn it on. Just turn, just show us what, it's like, what's that Rick and Morty that, you know, the faces in the clouds, show me what you got. You know, I'm just, just show us what it's going to be. But I also think the whole open mic night of like, yeah, anyone can, anyone, it's like, it's like Gus from, uh, Gus is from uh, Ratatouille. Anyone can cook. Anyone can pinball podcasts. And here's my take. Look, it's like. You know, maybe I should change my format. Like on Mondays, I'm going to talk about pop bumpers. On Tuesday, I'm going to talk about vertical upkicks. On Thursday, join Canada's Pinball Podcast for discussion of code. On Friday, we're going to talk about artwork. You can't create the ESPN of pinball. And the reason why is very simple. And all these guys know this. They all know it. There's not enough. There's not enough sport. See, imagine if ESPN was only covering basketball, how boring it would get after a while. If you're only covering pinball, which they are, you are quickly going to realize that the only way, the only way you can keep it fresh, you can keep it exciting, you can keep it entertaining, you can keep it comedic, the only way is if you have extreme personalities that can carry your audiences through long periods of no news, of nothing to talk about. And maybe that's why they're doing this. Because individually, they were all getting burnt out of being able, you know, feeling obligated to create shows once a week. So collectively, hey man, you guys can do Monday, you guys do Thursday, you guys do Wednesday, put it all together, and we've got, you know, the one-stop shop for all pinball media. There you go. We figured it out. And I hope it works for them. I hope it works for them. But you know what? I love being on the outside. You know, we teach kids like draw outside the lines, think outside the box. They're going to put, they're going to have to 
when you have so many creators and they're all creators, how can all of them remain creative, have their own creative control under an umbrella? Then why do you need the umbrella? Why do you need to have it all under one place if, if everyone is independently able to create their own thing? And nobody, as I said, nobody helped this show get to number one but you, the listener. Nobody gave me a platform. Nobody edited my show for me. Nobody joined my show. I didn't need a co-host to carry it through the, the, the years. I haven't had any guests on in a while. The numbers aren't going down. I challenge all those guys. Do a solo show. Who's going to do a solo show? Let's see how many people tune in and listen to it. How long you can take listening to it, right? And I'm sorry if I feel a little bit like a little bit on the defensive because some of my really good friends have been completely ignored as this sort of collaboration is taking place. And I just can't wait. Just show us the content. Just show us the content. You know, so much talking about the content. All right. And here's what I think they're also going to do. I do. I think some of this is a move to sort of get rid of the twippies, get rid of the popular voting, get rid of this annoying guy, Canada, that the populace keeps voting. How can this guy stand at the top with the loudest voice, with the most listeners? How can he be winning? He doesn't go to tournaments. He doesn't own a lot of machines. He's not shilling a distributor. He's not shilling Penn Stadium lights. He doesn't have any agenda. How is this guy number one? How is that happening? We need to band together and be more positive. We can't let a guy say that Brian Eddy's comeback game is an uninspired, unimaginative, 20 years in the making miss. Oh my God. Because if he says that, we're not going to sell a lot of Stranger Things pinball machines and I'm sitting on a ton of them right now and I need to sell them. We can't let a guy who says that nobody should buy pinball machines until manufacturers fix the clear code issue. Oh my God, if he says that, then that's going to hurt sales for me. And that's going to hurt relationships with those designers that are about to come on my show Monday night. I got to figure this out. You know, I've heard, this is, this is the funniest part. Like I've heard people who are content providers who have, who have received a stranger things that had a lot of mechanical issues and they have a podcast and then they don't tell you about any of the issues they're having because they have to tread lightly because to them, they have to weigh if they're honest with you about what's going on with their game versus, versus access to those people. It's their prerogative and they know what they're doing and I don't have an agenda. I could lose this show tomorrow and I would be fine. And if I went away tomorrow, I bet you also would be bummed out, but you'd be fine as well. And pinball would still have record sales years without me, without any of these shows. They're, they're, you know, and when I, when I hear people talking about, you know, where are you going to take your talents next? Everyone needs to get off, get off of thinking that all of these content providers are celebrities. Are, are like star athletes that where they land next is like really important and oh my god like he's taking his talents to the pinball network or oh my god Canada thinks he's like the world's best pinball podcaster and that matters like does it really I'm here to entertain you I'm here to keep you informed but let's not fool ourselves the best thing for pinball is great games without great games 
this hobby gets stale. This hobby gets old. This hobby gets boring. The most important people in this hobby are the men and women who wake up every day and make these games, design these games, assemble these games, ship these games. Now, once those people are done, you've got a huge sales force of distributors and content providers, some of which all they wanna do is selfishly sell you a game. So you're gonna hear a variety of opinions about pinball. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm not here to sell you even merchandise. I'm not here to ask for your money. I'm just here to tell you how I feel about this hobby and how I process it, okay? And maybe that rubs some people the wrong way. And I'm so happy, I'm so happy that we are number one on this show, okay? You don't think that upsets them at all? Of course it does. Of course it does. And I'm not hating on anything anyone else is doing. All I'm saying is just freaking do it. Don't talk to me about what you're doing. Do it. I picked up a microphone. I started doing this show and we were off and running and we haven't stopped since. And I, and I think you're going to see real quick, there's going to be this whole attempt to get everyone under one roof and like everyone can do whatever they want. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I also think a year from now, they're going to try to do their own award show in which it's not the Twippies. It's going to be the Pinball Networks award show in which the committee votes a la Academy Awards. That way you get, because that, that way you get rid of the com competitive nature of pinball podcasts. Because if there's no award for best pinball podcast, then there's no competition for it. And then we can just focus on expanding the hobby, broadening the hobby. And how people can't see the forest through the trees, all of this. You want to talk about the silent umbrella of what everything is you know, who's leading it all and what it all falls under to sell more games, people. Don't be, how can you miss that? That is the ultimate objective disguised as just a bunch of guys getting together to share their love of pinball. They're ultimately trying to sell you more games and as they should, is what their job is to do. That's, that's who's leading it all, all right? Now, Let's go on. What do you think about this? Pinball at gmail.com. Should I go away? Do you want Canada to just, should I just exit stage left? I mean, you've got enough. I mean, look at the list of people coming out. Why, why am I still here? Like, what, what's, what, what am I going to say that's different? What am I going to say that's unique? When I hear people say, like, re repetition and respectful, like, I, I should be respectful of... I should be respectful of the monsters. I should be respectful of the code in that game. I should respect Dwight, even though Star Wars sucks. I should respect Stern Pinball. I shouldn't say stuff like, here, here's, my, here's my overall feelings. I'll just be candid because I don't really care. It's like, what's going to happen? I mean, I've been threatened with lawsuits. I've got every other pinball content provider like aligning over, you know, over to the West. And, I, and I've got my, my funky bunch of friends over to, to the other side. And, and it's like somewhere in the middle, I don't really care. I just want to do my show. But I'll give, you, I'll give you my honest take. Is this hobby is just, if I'm going to summarize it real quick, it's like this. The best games out there from an, from, in terms of creativity and what they're putting into the games 
absolutely Jersey Jack pinball. But Jersey Jack pinball, I think, aren't fun because Jersey Jack pinball doesn't know how to tell a story in a pinball machine. He doesn't. He completely falls down on being able to make a pinball machine communicate a journey or a story. And it makes it confusing and it makes it hard to jump into and it's not as much fun because of that. And that's Jersey Jack's story to me. Stern Pinball, Stern Pinball is Data East, Stern. And what other industry, what other industry, ask yourselves, did the company that survived and became the biggest in the world was actually making the most mediocre games? It's, it's weird, it's like they, they just, they survived because everyone who was making the better products left. They, they, didn't, they didn't win because they were making the best games and survived, they just simply held on. They held on the longest. But they, they, we are inheriting the same sort of mentality and same sort of company. Now, that being said, every once in a while, you're going to get a great Stern pinball machine. But it's few and far between. That's my honest opinion. I, I, I don't think everything that comes out from them is great. And for the amount of people, I think they rush their games. I think the company is big. I think the investors are getting so wealthy. I think they're selling people products that are so overpriced for what you get. I do. And I think as long as the line is moving, they're happy. Money in the investor's pockets on to the next. By the time you get your unfinished game from them, they've already gone on to the next game to get you hyped about. And it's a never-ending cycle. And everyone keeps jumping in, regardless if they remove stuff, regardless if the quality control issues aren't there, you know, regardless if playfields are cratering, regardless if, if Stranger Things parts are flying out of the machines. It doesn't matter. Keep shipping them. Keep making them. On to the next. By the time we show them Ninja Turtles, everyone will forget about these issues. Bye, bye, bye. They, it's perfect for them. They've got a humongous distributor base that has a humongous clientele that every time they make anything, the phones are ringing and people have this FOMO and they're jumping in. They're jumping in. You know what's interesting? Do you know distributors, they, people don't talk about this much. Distributors have to agree with Stern how many LEs they're going to buy. They have to lock themselves into a number. And that means they get that number of LEs every time. So if, if you are a distributor and you say, I want 20 Stern LEs. You have to buy 20 Stern LEs. You have to buy 20 Black Knights if you want to get 20 Jurassic Parks, if you want to get 20 Elviras. That's how they do it. So even on their crappy games, distributors are locked in. If they lower their order, then that's the order number they get on the next title. So Stern has their distributors really at the mercy of like going in early, not even knowing if the game is good or not, and then they have to sit on that inventory. I mean, go look at Beatles. Go look at eBay. Go look at the amount of Beatles games that are still available for sale, and the distributors are still trying to sell them for the prices that nobody is biting on like over a year later. So that's that's where we're at. It's a never-ending machine. And I, I, I respect that Stern gets so many games out I respect the fact that they employ so many people and I respect the fact that they carry this hobby, but they're not making the best games all the time, not by far. And you know it and you know it and you know you're spending a lot more than those games are worth a lot of the time, okay? Chicago Gaming Company remaking these games plagued by delays. I mean, people were expecting 
their Medieval Madness remakes, uh, you know, months ago. The Royal Editions. They took money on them. Where are they? They were supposed to ship in January. Haven't heard anything. For not a peep from anything at Chicago Gaming Company. And so that company makes beautiful recreations of games. But the games are still old. There's no way around it. They're, they're still great games, but the experience of getting one is, you know, it doesn't have the, it's not really like anything new. It's sort of like, you know, when a, when a old video game gets translated onto a newer platform, yeah, they make the graphics look a little better, but we've played those games forever and ever. They're still great games, still Brian Eddy's best games, but you know what I'm saying? You want something that reimagines what's possible in pinball today. So close with Jersey Jack. It's, it's like Jersey Jack hired Lyman Sheets. It, game over. Game over. That, that's all we really want. Everyone wants a Jersey Jack game coded the way Lyman Sheets would code the game. And, and if you just had those two things, you'd have the best pinball in the world. And, and we all know that. And we can't get it. So we're always in a, in, in a space of compromise. And that's how I feel. You can go listen to 18 other consolidated shows in, in a couple weeks, guys. So this, this, if, you're, if you're annoyed by what I'm saying, you can easily tune it off. You're not going to hear this in the world of respectful and collaborative and let's give everybody a platform. Everybody gets a medal here. Okay. Oh, man. I love pinball. I love it. I know you love it too. And it's we're so close. We're so close to things that just tick all the boxes, all right? What else is going on? Spooky Pimble. Let's talk about Spooky, okay? So here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing. There's a reason why they're waiting on Rick and Morty. And I, I talked to someone who's close to the project last night. And, and before I say this, I got my order form on what I would like in my Rick and Morty game. And what I was... Here, here's what is on the order list. The game is seven grand, well, $6,995. Plastic protectors are 35 bucks. Interior graphics, 65. Knocker and installation, 45. Shaker and installation, 120. Interactive RGB speaker kit, 95. Build acceptor ready door, 50 bucks. Coin box and lid, man, I gotta have that for 40 bucks. Target decal set 10, butter cabinet 999, and Calaxian crystal colored match coin door, uh, at, you know, 250 or 225. Okay, I ordered everything. Give me everything. Give me the works, Charlie. Load me up, Chuck. Load me up. I want everything. I think it's a little a tick over $9,000. I took it all. And when I'm, you know, it's my only game. Never seen it played. Don't know how great it is, but whatever. If I'm going to get a Rick and Morty from Spooky Pinball, and these are the options, I'm a guy that checks all the options when I buy a car and when I order a pinball machine. All right, so here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing. The reason why, and, and again, we're going to know this sooner or later, but ultimately, we're going we're gonna to get a look behind the curtain. The reason why I'm hearing we haven't seen the game yet, two reasons. One is they want to make sure the code is as far along as possible as it can be. And they've been working on the code for a year. 
So I really think they want to make sure when this game comes out, it's not a Stranger Things scenario. It's not a typical Stern scenario where people are like feeling like there's a lot missing as they start to show you the game. They want to make sure as many adventures and all the stuff is put in it. Okay. Now, the reason why they want to make sure that is the case is this is what I'm hearing. Again, this is what I'm hearing from people who have played the game. The reason they want to make sure that is the case is the game is, I'm hearing, very hard. And I've heard the word, it's a little brutal, fastball times, a very difficult game. And I know I can hear Rare Hero, every game can be made easier. I'm hearing it, it's going to be really challenging of a game. And for a lot of people out there, I think when they see it, this could create some anxiety and apprehension and not showing a brutal game was a smart marketing move, but it could really start to put a, a dampener on all the enthusiasm and excitement because if we're to be honest with ourselves, when a game is really difficult, it's fresh for a lot of people. It's not as much fun. And I think a game like Rick and Morty is a game in which people want to be able to get into it, especially casual gamers. And you want to be able to see as many of the adventures as possible. And you want, I don't know if people are going to want a brutally difficult game. Now, I haven't seen it. I haven't played it. This is all going to be revealed in the next week or so. And the gameplay of this Rick and Morty game is going to be a watershed moment, I think, for a lot of people. Now, if it's really hard and we're watching streams in which the ball is just draining immediately and it seems like really impossible and you need you need a skill set level that most people don't have, it, it begs the question, should games be designed with such a high level of difficulty because you can always as much as you as you know you can make a game easier it's easier to make an easy game harder than it is to make a hard game easier and, and that's the truth because it's not just about like outlane post it's about if shots are really tight if you're bricking a lot if it's really hard to hit basic shots in the game, there's nothing you can do about that, right? I mean, you can't open up a shot. And if that's the case, or if it's like, you know, if the pop bumper as a sling is creating like unbelievable chaos and it's really hard to, you know, determine where the ball's going to go and it's just, it just feels like you're holding on versus enjoying the machine. I think the, the, the other game that, 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 I feel like that is Ghostbusters feels like that. Like you're just always holding on. You're never really enjoying flipping that game. So will Rick and Morty be that way? We I don't know. We're going to find out. But I do think if there's one thing people are nervous about, that's it. No one's nervous about the theme. No one's nervous about Scott's ability to make great music and light shows and immerse us in the game. But when Scott himself is saying it's really hard, we'll see what that means. TNA, TNA, it made sense making that game hard because it was very basic and it, 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 it fit the game perfectly. Does making Rick and Morty really, really hard, does that make sense? Or are they going to learn a lesson that when you have a main, you have a property 
in which people want to see more of the game, making it brutally hard isn't the right way to go. The other game I feel that way about late right now is is also Willy Wonka. You, you code this game in a way where like you want to get deep into it, and then they make it impossible for most people to see most of it. And it, they make short ball times with a deep rule set game. And I don't think that's the right balance, especially not for for the home environment. I, I definitely think people want to see more of these games, all right? All right, what else is going on in pinball? Wow, Canada, we're, we're going we're gonna to end this show in, in like a, a few minutes. Um, the other thing I want to talk about quickly is home pin. They're still around. They're making a Chinese zombie game at the same time China is dealing with a viral epidemic. Maybe not the smartest time to have that as your theme. They're also making like a stand-up, like ice-cold beer game where you have to move the ball like around and down. And I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I really don't. Thunderbirds, I think universally people would agree that Thunderbirds is one of the worst pinball machines that's come out maybe ever. And support for it has been abysmal. And Mike just still going. Got to give the guy credit on that level. He's, He's not stopping. I just don't get the point of making a pinball company and pinball games and then not making it good (laughs) like it's and there's a lot of these you know attempts why is it so hard why is it so hard to make a white wood make sure it shoots beautifully you know make sure it's satisfying to shoot before you drop artwork before you even drop code in at least make sure the game physically shoots like butter i don't know I, i don't design pinball machines so i don't know why it's so hard to to figure out the geometry of a steel ball rolling around a piece of wood, but it is what it is. All right, anything else going on in pinball? That's it. That's it, folks. Lots to see with Rick and Morty. We're in a little bit of a lull period. Um, Good review of Stranger Things by Kerry Hardy over there um, on YouTube. Check it out. He's not a big fan of the game. I'm not a big fan of Stranger Things. I, I keep reading all the people who bought it in the Stranger Things Club, you know, carrying the torch. Oh, code, Code's just going to make this game amazing. No, it's not. It's not the game we want it. It's not the game you want it. Just be honest with yourselves, people. I mean, look, if you if you buy it and enjoy it, it's cool. This is, this is a show of comedy slash entertainment. We're here to talk about pinball. I'm here to give you my opinions. Oh, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. I want to hear from more of you guys. I, you know, I feel like, do, do you like, are you enjoying the show? Do you want to make show changes? Should I, what should I do differently if you think I should do anything differently? You know, just say, hey, Chris, enjoy the show. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, I just, I, I just, sometimes I just want to hear what you guys think. I mean, I, the listeners are there. So what do you think? George Gomez, hit me up. Come on, George. You know you're listening. Zach Sharp, you know you're listening. Oh, I think all this network stuff has helped distract us from the, the games. Like, let's talk about the games. I don't think they want us to say Stranger Things ain't no good. Because then you won't get all those guys on the streams. I'm just bored by designers talking about their games. Aren't you? I mean, what do, you, what do, what do they re- Like, unless the game is good. Do you really want to keep interviewing people about the game? It's like it's like anything in life. If someone makes a bad movie, do we have to keep interviewing the director? If someone makes a bad song, do we need to keep interviewing the band? 
you know, Scott's got in the past, I say Scott's done all the podcasts, he's done all the interviews, we don't even know if the game's any good. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I said to him, like, bro, I want to interview you when I get to see the game. Because I want to talk to you about the game, not what your intentions were or not what you put in it, but I actually want to see it. Because I think all these interviews, till you know, until we see the game, it's still a little bit like we're all hyping stuff. Same thing with the network. There's no bad feelings, guys. But it's like all this hype, all this like talk, and very little action. So let's just see the action. And look, we're all competing. Don't pinball podcast. It's competitive. We're competing for listeners. All right. It's like this world of like, let's not compete. Let's just celebrate. I mean, it's just so nauseating. It's so nauseating that people feel like we can't do both. Like you can't celebrate something and be honest. You, To me, that's the only interesting thing. Those are the only interesting people. I love people that have good opinions and bad opinions. I love people that I that aren't clearly holding back because of some agenda. It, it, it must really annoy maybe all the industry people. They've got a guy with the mic talking about the hobby and he's got no agenda and he doesn't want anything from us other than great games. Canada does not want anything from anyone. I don't care about talking to anyone out there. I just want you to make great games. And when you make a great game, I'm going to tell everyone who listens to this show, you should go buy it. And if you make a crappy game, I'm going to tell everyone, I think the game is crap. And I'm going to tell all of you out there, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to Canada's Pinball Podcast on a weekly basis. We're not going anywhere. We don't need 18 different like segments to make this interesting. You know what you're going to get, and it's not going to stop. And when I find myself falling for some girl, I hop right in that car of mine, drive around the world because I'm a wanderer.